Hey, I am so proud of you for reaching out to God today. You know, there's so much in our world that we can't control, but you can control if you'll call out to God every day, and you're doing that right now. I'm so proud of you. I'm excited because today we're kicking off a series that we will be in for the rest of July, and we're going to start it this week by answering this question, how do you find rest? How do you find safety? How do you find peace? in a restless world. I mean, we are living through times where everything is restless around us. The future is so uncertain. And I don't know about you, but it's been hard on me. And I thought we'd kick it off today with a little bit of humor. Now, bear with me because humor is a little bit harder through the screen than when you're all in the room. But you know, sometimes we think life couldn't be any worse. And we have to zoom out and remind ourselves life actually could be worse. Here are some funny examples. The first is a truck driver. He was driving uh, to deliver these eggs and he got there, he opens the back of the truck and he realizes that whoever's job it was to strap these crates in, possibly himself, didn't do it properly. 10,500 eggs, totally ruined. I know life's not perfect right now, but hey, at least you're not this truck driver, right? Here's another example. This guy says, I ordered from DoorDash two cheeseburgers from McDonald's. He got really special with all the custom ordering and somehow he accidentally clicked the buttons to eliminate the meat and the bun. And so what he got was two pieces of cheese for $6. Wouldn't that be great? You're working so hard and you're looking forward to lunch and then here it comes. You've got two pieces of cheese. Life could always be a little bit worse. Here's one more example. Uh, she said, when the sun's out and you don't think it through. I don't know if you can see this on your TV, but she has tan lines that perfectly match her leggings. And the best example that life could be even worse is this mom. This mom, she says her daughter's name is Liz, and they've given her the nickname Lizard. And so she went into Walmart, and she asked the bakery, could you make a cake that says, happy birthday, Lizard? Well, she picked the cake up, and for whatever reason, she didn't check what it says and got it home for the birthday party, only to realize that the cake says, happy birthday, loser. Happy birthday, loser. Thankfully, this mom's able to laugh at herself, and she posted about it. She said, my daughter ended up getting a new cake, and I ate every bit of that loser cake. Well, I hope you're able to laugh at yourself a little bit. I hope you're still able to laugh in life. Life has been hard. In fact, I think if we're honest, we all feel a little bit like this guy. This is Shrek the sheep. And I think we all relate in a few different ways. One might be that in COVID, we've all gotten a little out of shape like Shrek the sheep. But I want to go a little bit deeper here, okay? Shrek the sheep got away from his shepherd and for six years, he wandered around on his own, and he was never able to be shorn. That's when they, when they cut the extra wool off. And sheep like this, the way they're bred is they never shed their wool or their fleece. And so if they don't have a shepherd to trim them, well, the wool and the fleece, it just keeps growing and growing. And Shrek the sheep out in the wild somehow survived. In fact, they found him in a cave. That's why they call him Shrek. 
He couldn't even see out of his eyes because of the wall. He could hardly move. And the veterinarian said if he hadn't been found, he was on the verge of dying because his wool, his fleece, weighed 60 pounds, just the fleece and the wool on a 60-pound sheep. Can you imagine your body weight on top of you as clothes? And I think of how weary we all feel. I think of how burdened we all feel. And I really relate to Shrek the sheep. I mean, I don't know about you, but as a dad, as a husband, just as a person, as a pastor, trying to plan for, you know, what does the next month look like? What does the next season look like? Trying to meet everyone's needs and empathize with everyone, but we've all got our own unmet needs. And I just wonder right now, where is it for you that you're weighed down? Where is it for you that you would relate to that feeling of Shrek the sheep and you're just burdened down? Maybe it's grief about things that are going on in the world. Maybe it's uncertainty. Maybe you're weary from trying and worrying and you know, you're weary from washing your hands and trying to protect yourself and your family. Maybe you're weary from the disapproval of others. I mean, we're in this time where if you wear a mask, you upset people. If you don't wear a mask, you upset people. You just can't win. And maybe you're weary from all of that. Weary from the unpredictability. Maybe you're burdened by the choices that others have made or you're burdened by your own buried pain. We all have pain in life. And when crises happen, it's not like our pain goes away. And so many of us, we just have to bury that pain and keep going because, well, we have to keep going. We have to keep working. Maybe you're burdened from broken dreams, from broken trust. Maybe you're burdened from sin. And maybe from the struggle of sin, you're just weighed down by shame or by guilt or burdened from just trying to carry it all. You know, if I could tell you today how to find inner rest, rest for your inner person, if I could tell you today how to find inner rest from the things that are burdening you and weighing you down, would you want to know the answer? I sure want to know the answer, and that's why I've been studying the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, we get a great overview of Jesus' central message, and right in the middle of the book, Jesus says this to people like you and me who are weary and burdened. He says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. And I love it because like so much of scripture, this is a conditional promise. If you will come to me, Jesus says, if you'll reach out to me, even right now, you can reach out and say, God, I'm bringing you my weariness. I'm bringing you my burdens. Jesus says, if you will do that, then I will give you rest. And he goes on to explain, this is rest for your soul, which is your inner person. You know, you could sleep and sleep and sleep. You could take weeks of vacation. And if your inner soul is weary and burdened, you can't get rest for it. But God can give rest to your inner person. And Jesus says, how do you get that? He says, come to me. Now, we come to Jesus for our salvation, and maybe you've never done that. You could do that today where you come to him and you say, Jesus, I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to make me a new person, adopt me into the family of God. That's the first and most important way that we come to Jesus. But here's what I've learned as a follower of Jesus. 
I will often be going through life and I'm really worried. I might be thinking, oh, if I make this choice, this person's going to think that. Or God, here's this situation I can't control. Or here's this struggle. And I'll realize I'm burdened, just like Shrek the sheep. I'm burdened and I'm carrying this thing around. I'm carrying this heavy burden, but I haven't really brought it to him. I mean, yeah, I came to Jesus for my salvation, but I didn't come to him today and say, God, will you help me with leading this part of the church? Or will you help me with serving my family? Or will you help me with this habit? Will you help me with this choice? Maybe you're a business owner and you've been carrying the burden of what if everything shuts down again? What will we do? Have you been bringing it to God every day? Come to me, he says. Come to me with your weariness. Bring your burdens to me and then I will give you rest. I love this picture of Shrek the sheep after he returned to the shepherds or actually the shepherds found him and they started to shave off that wool that fleece, that 60 pounds of unnecessary weight that he was carrying around. And I mean, as they shaved this off him, it just became this huge blanket, so dirty on the outside from all the stuff that Shrek was carrying around with him that he didn't have to carry around with him. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Here's a picture of Shrek the sheep after he got his fleece taken off and he's living a life a bit more comfortable than when he was carrying that extra 60 pounds. Well, here's the question for you today. How can you really experience Jesus rest? Because I know most of you watching right now, you're like me, where you have placed your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You've been baptized. You're a follower of Jesus. But there are still things that burden us. There are still things that weigh us down. And so how do we continually experience Jesus' rest in such a restless world? Well, the answer is found in the Gospel of Matthew. And I've spent the last couple weeks just listening over and over to the Gospel of Matthew and reading it. And I've found that within it, there's this theme of kingdom there's this theme of kingdom, and here's the deal. You will experience Jesus' rest when you choose him as king. In that word, that's a, a capital K, because this is the king who's over everything in the world. In fact, we're going to see as we unpack this that our world is so temporary, and the problems that seem so big to us, they're going to be past tense at some point. He's the king over all our problems, and when I actually understand his kingdom, his kingdom, which is so much bigger than the United States, so much bigger than everyone in the world during this time of our lifetimes, his kingdom, which is so much bigger. If I really want to experience Jesus rest, I've got to understand how big he is and how good he is. You know, the king, just like that shepherd, when Shrek was getting, he was getting cut out of all that burden, the king, Jesus, can free you from striving. He can free you from worrying. He can free you from your fear of failing or your fear of disappointing others. And in his kingdom, all the things that you worry about not having or the things that you lack right now, they're all there in abundance. In his kingdom, you can enjoy health and provision, predictability, 
In his kingdom, you enjoy the approval of him and of others around you. Yeah, I want to encourage you as we go through this series called Kingdom to join me in reading the Gospel of Matthew. Now, if you don't yet have a Bible, here's a picture of the Life Application Study Bible. We would love to send one of these to you if you don't yet have one. Text us the word Bible to 317-350-1996. We'll get you a Life Application Study Bible. More importantly than getting one is opening it up. And I'd encourage you, I mean, I've been listening to the gospel of Matthew, I've been reading it, and you know what I've noticed is this theme of kingdom. The gospel of Matthew actually starts with the genealogy of Jesus' ancestors, and it starts with the kings of Israel, because Jesus is a king, that's the theme of Matthew. In fact, all throughout Matthew, Jesus, he talks about the kingdom 54 times. So I want to give you guys 54 things. No, I'm just kidding. I worked really hard. I'm going to give you 10 things that you might not know about Jesus' kingdom. Now, I'm joking, but I truly had a list of 54, and I had to restrain myself and discipline myself to get this down to 10. But I think these are all pretty interesting. And I think if you really invite the Spirit of God to speak to you, you're going to find your burdens lifted you're going to find that the weight you're carrying isn't quite as heavy when you begin to understand the kingdom of which you're a citizen as a follower of Jesus. It's your kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven. Well, here's number 10 of things you might not know about the kingdom of God. The first is this. When you're broken, when you're broken by what's happening in the world, you're actually very close to the kingdom of God. In Matthew 5, verse 3, Jesus said, blessed Happy are those who are poor in spirit. It's a great sentence because in the original ancient Greek, it is a contradiction. Jesus uses the Greek word makarios, which means happy are the depleted in spirit. Do you feel depleted in spirit? Jesus says if you're depleted in spirit, you're closer to the gates of the kingdom than someone who feels like everything's going great. Why is that? Because this world is not heaven. And when we think, oh, life's so good in this world, I don't really need God, I don't need anything else, we're settling for so much less. There's a kingdom where there's no war. There's a kingdom where there's no sickness. There's a kingdom where there's no racism. There's a kingdom where our bodies never grow old and die. There's a kingdom where there are no broken relationships. And Jesus says, when your spirit is grieved by all that's happening in the world, when your spirit is grieved by the loss of a loved one or by the injustices in society, when your spirit is grieved, you actually are becoming like the man of sorrows. That was one of Jesus' titles for himself. He called himself the man of sorrows. Why? Because the world we live in is so broken. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I remember when I was a kid that I would only eat hot dogs for a season of life. I, I know, I know you can judge me all you want, okay? But this is true right now of one of my three children. One of my three really, really likes chicken nuggets. And if I've got some really good, really good food, that child will prefer the chicken nuggets every single time. Now here's the irony, I can almost guarantee you, as that child grows and gets older, the day will come when they might still like chicken nuggets, but they would prefer a really good meal. But right now, their appetite is childish. This is a little bit of how Jesus 
compares our life on earth to the kingdom of heaven. I want you to contrast thinking about, yeah, those nuggets and fries, they they look kind of yummy, but consider this instead. Consider a perfectly, perfectly grilled steak, however you like it. Or if you're a vegetarian, you can have some asparagus or some tofu or whatever else you want, okay? But consider like your favorite really good gourmet meal compared to chicken nuggets. And Jesus says, most humans will spend their life on earth consuming chicken nuggets, never realizing that the greatest accomplishments on earth, the greatest pleasures on earth, they're really just chicken nuggets compared to what God has for us in the kingdom of God. Now, here's the thing. The kingdom of heaven, we're going to see, it has been initiated on earth, but in this life, we get little glimpses and tastes. We get little samples as followers of Jesus. Here's what it's like to be free from shame. Here's what it's like to have peace. But we're still in a broken world. And so we're living by faith knowing that as we follow Jesus, when we breathe our final breath or when he returns, which could be any day, we will then find ourselves in the full kingdom of heaven, very much like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now, you might say, how can we know for sure that this kingdom really exists? I mean, John, isn't this just pie in the sky that there's a place where all our problems are fixed? You know, it sounds too good to be true. Well, that's number nine of these 10 things you might not know about the kingdom of God. Jesus' miracles, they were displays of his kingdom power. And you'll see this especially as you read through the Gospel of Matthew. The miracles are not incidental or accidental. They're intentional. Jesus heals the blind because we all have blindness in our lives. Jesus heals the lame because we all have things we can't do. Jesus feeds the hungry because we all have appetites that are unmet. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the living water. And not only can he solve those problems, but the greatest problem that every single one of us has The problem that every billionaire has, that every world leader has, is that our bodies wear out and die. And that no matter how many laws we pass, no matter how much money we give away, humans are sinful. And they end up corrupting any system you give them, and they end up using it against each other. Human nature is broken, and human mortality is broken, that we all die because our bodies are imperfect. Jesus' miracles intentionally proved that he can solve these problems. And of course, when he rose from the grave, he ultimately proved his power. Thing number eight, you might not yet know about the kingdom of God, the doors to this kingdom, you can almost think of it as another dimension. The doors into heaven have been opened. When Jesus died on the cross, he opened the way for you to have eternal life with God. This is why the theme of Jesus' sermons all through the Gospel of Matthew is this, repent. Repent of your sins. Repent of your mistakes. Uh, Very simply, this means, God, I acknowledge that I need you. I humble myself. There's things I can't do and there's things I've done wrong. I need you. This is the theme over and over in the Gospel of Matthew. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, it's interesting. As a pastor, I listen to a lot of other pastors. And I've realized that if you listen to a pastor for years and years, you start to find these threads, these these themes that every different pastor kind of has from Scripture. And Jesus' 
theme in Matthew is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I think most of us who follow Jesus, we know, okay, the kingdom, it kind of means like what God's doing on earth, but we don't really understand how big of a deal this is. That there's a kingdom where every problem we have is solved and that Jesus has opened the doors and that now we are on earth as his outposts, his ambassadors. We're here for a purpose and that is to gather as many other people as we can to get them into the doors to the kingdom of heaven. Well, why did Jesus talk about a kingdom so much? Number seven is simple but profound. Jesus spoke about the kingdom so much because he's a king. That might sound simple, but this is really significant. You know, sometimes we get the idea, well, Jesus was just this gentle, compassionate. Those are true. He's a friend. He's compassionate. He's empathetic. But don't make the mistake of thinking that he's weak. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. In fact, in Matthew 26, when Jesus was about to be crucified, willingly, by the way, this is the only king in history who willingly allowed his subjects to falsely accuse him, to wrongly arrest him, and then to beat him and to, in an unjust manner, even kill him as a mob. Why did he do that? He humbled himself, took upon him the form of a man so that he could rescue you. So his love is so great, but his power is also so great. Listen to how Jesus describes himself when he's on trial and they're saying, are you a king? He says, you've said it. And in the future, you will see the son of man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is not just a king, he's the king of kings. He will rule over every tribe and tongue and nation. He rules over the heavens and the earth, he rules over the angels and the demons, he rules over time and eternity. I was reading this last week and bear with me for being a little bit nerdy here, okay? But this is fascinating. Have you ever heard of a black hole? Here's an artist's rendering of a black hole in outer space. Now, black holes are fascinating because really scientists don't fully understand them. They are these kind of vortexes of severely strong gravity. In fact, the gravity is so strong. On Earth, we know gravity is strong enough that if you drop a brick or a ball or anything, you know, matter falls down. But the gravity of a black hole is so strong that light gets sucked into the black hole. I mean, some uh, astrophysicists hypothesize that are, are these vortex gateways to another dimension? Who knows? I'm not saying they are. But here's what's fascinating. This new black hole was recently discovered. Its name, really eloquent name, is J2157, okay? J2157. But here's the thing about this black hole. This black hole, every day, it eats matter in outer space light and anything else that's around it, and it eats matter equivalent to the size of our sun. Now, you probably know that the sun, our sun, is a lot bigger than the earth, but let me show you just how much bigger our sun is, okay? If our sun were a basketball, official-sized basketball, this would be the earth. Compared to a basketball, normal basketball, the whole planet that we live on, all of it, is about the size of the end of a ballpoint pen, two millimeters. 
Okay, that gives you, just compared to the sun, a sense of how small we are. Now, J2157, every day, eats one of these for lunch, every single day, has been doing so for thousands of years, possibly longer, right? This is a sense of just how massive the universe is. It's so interesting that Jesus said, those who don't follow him, they'll, they'll go into a place of darkness. I mean, you do wonder how, how, what God sees when he looks down at the universe. But here's what we know. Every tribe and tongue and nation, every, every civilization that we look at is so big. Number six, they're temporary. The USSR is temporary. Ancient Rome was temporary. The great civilizations of Greece and so many other world civilizations, they're all temporary. In fact, Jesus in Matthew, he talks about his kingdom being the only eternal kingdom. And he says at the end of the book, we'll see it in a little bit, that he'll be with us until the end of the age. But Jesus describes all of human history, we're in one little page of it, as an age that will end. But when it ends, his kingdom will still continue on. This world's temporary, but in the next age, there's just going to be two places. After you breathe your last breath, you're going to be in one of two eternal destinations. There's the kingdom of heaven that Jesus opens to you, and he says the door's open. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then there's all those who say, no, I don't want God. I don't want his help. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And Jesus describes a literal place called hell. Those are the only two destinations in Jesus' teaching that you and I will be in 100 years from now when our bodies are buried in the ground on earth. Thing number five that you might not know about the kingdom of God until Jesus returns, he promises that he'll be with us, followers of Jesus, until the end of the age. You know, the other night I was out walking under the stars. It's one of my favorite things to do in the summer because it's so warm in the evening. And I was looking up at all those stars. And I had just read about that big black hole, J2157. And I was thinking, man, God, you're so big. I'm so tiny. I know that all the evil in the world is small to you, but God, it's overwhelming to me. I don't know. Are we really making enough of a difference as a church? Are we really doing enough? And he reminded me that the very final verse in this gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, all authority in heaven has been given to you. Therefore, go and make disciples, make more followers. And we do that here with our kids in Kids City, with our middle schoolers and high schoolers, with every new believer each year who gets baptized. We're making disciples. We're teaching them to obey everything that Jesus taught. We're baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, and I am with you always, even until the very end of the age. All of humanity, with all of its anger and hostility and all of its striving and wrestling and its world wars and its atomic bombs and its racism and genocide, the book's going to close on it eventually. The book will close on it. And Jesus says to every follower of his, be faithful. Don't forget that I'm returning. 
Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the clouds because I'm returning for you. And until I return for you, I will sustain you. I'll give you the strength to keep telling other people about me. I'll give you the strength to keep shining the light in a world of evil and confusion. Thing number four that you might not know about the kingdom of God. Jesus teaches this over and over. God sees what is done in secret. When you're kneeling at your bed at night and no one else sees, God sees it. When you're writing your check, when you're giving online, when you're tithing to the kingdom of God, not out of shame, but as an act of worship saying, God, I want to do your work. When you're inviting others to experience church online, when you're sharing your faith with others, when you're reading your life application study Bible, when you're praying, when you're fighting temptation, when you've fallen in temptation, but you say, God, I repent of that. I want to live the way you've called me to live. When you love your spouse and you lay down your own self, when you give away, when you serve, he sees it. And Jesus teaches, you can study this all through Matthew chapter six. He will reward it openly. When the kingdom is unveiled, Matthew 25 teaches that Jesus is gonna judge every person one at a time. He's got all the time in the world. He's actually got all the time in the universe. He's got all the time and one person at a time. He's gonna judge and say, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Did you place your faith in me or not? Are you part of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of hell? And then in addition to have you placed your faith in him, he's gonna say, what did you do with what I gave you? And he will openly reward the ways that you secretly choose him. I know you're making choices for God right now. Even the fact that you're watching this, no one else knows how hard it is for you. I get that. No one else knows some of the struggles that you're making. Maybe you're in a family where no one else wants to watch church online and you're like, I'm gonna do this anyway. Or I'm gonna follow Jesus even though no one else is. Guess what? God sees you. And what you do in the secret, secret places of your heart, he will reward it openly when his kingdom is unveiled. Number three, when you give to God's work on earth, he sees it, and actually Jesus teaches that you're storing up treasure in heaven. You know, there's been a lot of talk lately about the stock market because it crashed so severely early in COVID, and then it spiked back up, and lots of people are investing and trying to find different ways to understand, well, COVID might do this or that, and if I invest in this or that, then it'll go up in funds. What if I could tell you that right now you could invest in something that 100 years from now will have infinitely growing returns. Jesus says, when you take your earthly treasure, which will someday burn up, and you invest it into the work of God as an act of faith from your heart, you're sending treasure ahead into the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting because we tend to think of heaven as this just kind of uh, big white expanse. But as I've been reading Matthew over and over again, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, there's a, a hierarchy, there's an order. In fact, the disciples at one point argued about who will be greater in the kingdom of heaven. The reason they argued about that is that Jesus often said, this group of people, people who do these things will be greater in the kingdom of heaven. I'm getting off track, okay? I'm, gonna, I'm getting onto one of my other 54 that I narrowed it down from. But let's go to, to number two. Make the advance of God's kingdom on earth your top priority. All these things are choices, right? Because remember, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I'll give you rest. What are these 10 things? These are ways that you come to him. These are ways that you say, Jesus, I choose you as my king. I choose your kingdom as my highest citizenship. And Jesus says, if you'll make the advance of God's kingdom on earth, if you'll make that your top priority, then he promises you over and over, he'll meet your every need. He'll meet your every need. I've seen this, I've got an older pastor friend, he's in his 70s now. He's been a pastor for 40 years. He's lived a very humble life. He's never had the finer things of life. He has always made the advance of God's kingdom his top priority. And there might be times that you'd look at how much he makes and you'd think, how is he making it? But for 40 years, every need of his has always been met. Why is it? It's not because he's out there hustling, trying to make money. He's out there hustling, advancing the kingdom of God. Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way of living, and all these things will be added unto you. Are you nervous about how COVID might affect your career or your business? Then come to Jesus with your weariness and your burden. He says, seek first my kingdom. Don't get lazy with going to church, even if it's online. Don't get lazy with prioritizing God in your life. Seek him first. He will meet every single one of your needs. And let me give you the number one of these 10 things that maybe you didn't know about the kingdom of God for every problem that you face today. The solution is right inside this tiny prayer that Jesus taught us to pray every day. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. You're so much bigger than us. Your kingdom come. Your will or desire be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Why is heaven perfect? Because it's a place where only God's desire is done. And as followers of Jesus, when we get grieved by what's wrong in the world, we're actually closer to realizing we need the kingdom of heaven right here. There's not a political party. There's not a social movement. There's nothing else that can ultimately solve the problem of sin in the human heart, the problem of mortality and death, the problems of evil and suffering, only the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus, when he taught us so briefly in such a compact prayer, here's how you pray every day. The very center of it is, God, we need your kingdom here. I want to encourage you, church. We are an outpost of the kingdom of heaven on earth. We're the gates, we're the doorway. Jesus said, I give you the keys to the gates of heaven as his followers. We are here to open the doors wide and invite others in. And church, I just want to applaud you for your faithfulness to the work of God, to the kingdom of God. And I'm so excited to journey with you in these next two weeks as we explore the kingdom and I'm confident that as we do, we're going to feel our burdens lifted. We're going to feel less weary as we remind ourselves that our king has everything we need. And he has a kingdom where all our problems are solved. And we've got a purpose on earth today to bring that kingdom about. And we're doing it together. Let me pray that for you right now. Father, I thank you for every person who's chosen to call out to you today and Lord, I just want to pray that you would make us a kingdom people, that you would make us, uh, that you would just grow our faith, Lord, 
God, as I've been reading the gospel of Matthew over and over, I'm just, I'm aware that my faith is really so small. I don't see you nearly as big as you are, and I don't understand nearly as much as I should how much your kingdom, it's going to solve every tension. And God, even just last night as I was falling asleep and I was worried about something and I finally realized I haven't even prayed about that. Lord, I know that right now, every one of us, we've got things in our lives that are, are burdening us. And I pray this week that we will one day at a time bring you our burdens, bring you our weariness, and that we'll look to you not only as a healer and a helper, but as a king, and that we'll look to your kingdom, and that we'll do our part in being faithful kingdom servants until you arrive and set right everything that's broken in this world. We love you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen.